0: So um, the lads tonight, um, uh, a lot of them are setting up for a shoot in the uh, South Island It's coming up. We've got guys reloading on the Thursday, ready to head down on a Friday, which is standard form, I think. Um, uh boundary creek i think is shooting the south island so there's a little bit of a north island contingent heading down to there um unfortunately this one i wasn't able to make just with new job commitments and bits and pieces but good luck to those guys so the subject that i put up um to talk about tonight uh is essentially uh what to do when your gun doesn't shoot So a bit of background uh, for me and what I've been doing for the last couple of years now, I have been, there's a big part of what I do, um, of the business, has been setting up and zeroing rifles for people and developing drop charts and um, data or just zeroing rifles sometimes. So I'll be doing a couple uh, rifles a week and by a couple, I actually quite often last couple of months, I'm meaning five, six, seven rifles a week. And uh, some of them are brand new, never been shot before. Some of them have been shot for a while and there's a new scope on it. Or I actually get a lot of guys who are sending rifles to me. um, They've had them for a while. They've shot them and they just wanted somebody else uh, independently to set them up and confirm. So I'm not going to be talking so much about the zeroing process uh, for this one. Um, If it's of interest, we could do that as a separate thing. I have a system. Um, The way I do it, uh, a lot of people when they come out to a course and we show them through show the process um, are amazed or surprised that we can zero a rifle with less than a box of ammo. And um, I mean, all things going well. I mean, I can do it in six shots. I like to do more normally to to verify stuff. But if the gun and the scope and everything is functioning just like it should, uh, you shoot a group to find where you are on the paper. You adjust, you shoot another group to confirm and you're done. Um, so if there's enough interest, uh, let us know, and we can, I can sort of explain that process to you and try and do it via video or podcast, depending how you're listening to it. Anyway, the, the purposes of the this show tonight is not so much zeroing, but it's when you're trying to zero, trying to shoot, and things just don't seem to be working out. And we're going to focus a little bit more on some of the easy um, technical or hardware-related stuff rather than your shooting. Um, you know, I think of people are being honest with themselves, a lot of the time people miss, especially in the field, is because of their shooting. Uh, we as particularly males and particularly um, uh, ego-driven, borderline alpha males like to blame anything other than ourselves and blame the gear or blame whatever it is. So either get gun can't be shooting, and then I've had more than one gun that apparently wasn't shooting that shooter just fine when you gave it to a different shooter. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to talk about some um, tips and tricks to uh, yeah, just go through before you feel like you need to start replacing stuff uh, or get it off to a gunsmith or these bits and pieces. Um, a lot of the time it is actually simple things, um, but I, I guess the biggest thing I tell everybody is you need some systematic way of working through it Otherwise, you can end up chasing your tail really quickly. So um, I've got a bit of a list of things, and I'm going to rearrange the order of it a little bit, um, just to how to talk about it. So the first thing that comes up, and I, I've had it more than once, surprisingly so, but this happens, and I've, I know I've got people who are new shooters all the way through to experience that listen to the show. Um If you change your ammunition in your gun, your point of impact and your data, your velocity and everything changes. Uh, Yet, I still have people who don't realize this and they figure they can shoot any kind of ammo through it and the gun is zeroed for one and all. Um, I had a gentleman recently, I was zeroing a rifle for. I had a box of ammo in the case with it and I was talking to him about it and I said, just kind of casually, because I just Sort of did is, hey, this is the ammo you normally shoot through it. And he's like, no, it's just something I picked up on the store before I gave you the rifle. So I had to point out to him that, um, you know, apart from being potentially big differences between different grain weights, for example, um, even a rifle that has the is, is shooting different projectiles from different manufacturers, same grain weight can still have a point of impact that is significantly. And when I say significantly, I'm meaning more than a click up and down on your scope. I'm talking uh, five, six, seven centimeters or a couple of inches, like significantly. Um, But guys will switch between it. And a good friend, an old old good friend of mine who was a gunsmith, very good gunsmith, used to um, go on about guys who would bring the rifles in as a warranty issue, claiming a warranty issue, and they would have a box of ammo and you'd look at the box of ammo and there was like 10 different types of ammo all just piled into this box. And it's like, well, what, what ammo are you shooting through this gun to test? And it's like, well, some of this. And it's like, okay, well, there's your issue. So, yeah, be aware. You need to choose a type of ammo and you need to stick with it. If your gun is zeroed for a type of ammo, that is the gun you need to be shooting with it. So this notion of, oh, I use the cheaper ammo to zero it, but I only use the good ammo to actually shoot and to hunt with, it doesn't make sense because your cheaper ammo goes somewhere different, doesn't shoot as well. You need to use the same ammo that you want to be shooting with um, to zero your rifle with. Uh, you can do stuff like using a cheaper ammo to plink with zero, your rifle up with your, your final ammo, and then um, zero, uh, you know, plink or play or shoot with some cheaper ammo and do it that way. Um Hey, bonus points to you because you're actually probably ahead of a lot of shooters or firearms owners by actually going out and practicing. Um, you know, so yeah, um, key point: you can't change ammo around. Uh, there'll be a velocity difference, the harmonics of your barrel are different. It all it all changes and. It's again, through experience, it's not as easy as saying, for example, that a heavier projectile is going to drop slightly further down on the paper or land slightly lower. It's not that simple, especially at 100 meters, you can sometimes find where that barrel is whipping or where the, uh, they talk about optimum barrel time where the projectile is leaving the barrel, depending where it's whipping at that point and everything. Um, Yeah, it can, um, you know, it can go that way. So, um, yeah, so check, you've got the same kind of ammo. Um, the other thing is as well, is if you really get into the minutia of it, different um, boxes or different, um, yeah, well, different boxes of ammo can also be a change. But now we're talking like a click, like minor differences. So uh, yeah, when guys are switching ammo around um, or switching ammo around halfway through zeroing, I've seen that done. I've seen guys shoot zero with one kind of ammo and then we get up the hill having got some data and trying to confirm that drop data that they then go, oh, I've used my ammo, so now I need to switch to a different kind of ammo because I bought two boxes but there was two different kinds of ammo. So again, we won't go too much into ammo testing but um, find some ammo that shoots well in your gun and different ammo does definitely shoot differently in guns. And and it's not like when somebody asks for a particular ammo recommendation for a particular firearm, I have seen the same model gun, uh, which, you know, basically same barrel, same stock, same everything. The only difference really is a serial number stamped on the barrel. And they will prefer a different kind of ammo to the other one, Um and it may not be a huge amount, sometimes it is, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's a click or two, but, you know, the point is we're trying to get these things shooting as well as possible, not just good enough. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. make sure you're make sure you, um, sticking with that one kind of ammo. Make sure it's a decent kind of ammo. I mean, if you're hunting, you know, from most guys who are hunting with a hunting rifle, they may only shoot a box of ammo a year. So if you add up what you pay for the gun, the scope, the trip, the time off work, lost opportunity, lost income and everything, buying that slightly more expensive box of ammo is kind of a um, drop in the water compared to what everything else has actually cost you. It's a false economy to go, oh, well, that ammo is expensive. I won't spend it on that. Uh, If you're relying on one or two bullets to do the job, then it might as well be decent stuff. And again, it's not always the case that the most expensive ammo shoots better. It's not the case. I've seen many a case where um, mid-range ammo shoots better than the expensive stuff. Uh, however, as I'll talk about a little bit um, later as well, there's a consistency factor. You know, you can't, I'm still yet to find a, a rifle ammo combination I can guarantee is going to shoot lights out every time. But there's certainly combinations where I can comfortably say they're more likely to shoot uh, average or above average Um, Yeah. So um, the other thing that uh, comes in with that as well is um, having some realistic uh, expectations about how well your gun is going to shoot and how well you shoot. And um, this is, again, where the ego needs to be put aside. So, um, you know, we've got this thing now with new rifles where uh, the, the gold standard is a one MOA gun. Well, the gun may be one MOA, but you add a scope onto it. Now we're talking about a system of a gun and a scope and we add ammo into it. Now we've got three things in there. You add a shooter behind it with environmentals, you've got four, five things in there. So a one MOA gun does not mean that you are going to be able to shoot at one MOA. It's that simple. And, um, people like to, you know, put it on a bit of paper, put five rounds down there and it doesn't shoot under this one MOI and they'll, are like, oh, the guns faulty? And then what will happen? What will happen? And I've done it. It will go back to the, the manufacturer or the, the importer distributor via the gun store. Maybe that will go out to somebody, possibly me. I will shoot a group. I will take a photo of the group and it will come back to you and go, I'm sorry, but um, either how you're shooting it may not be the deal or the ammo may not be the right mix. Who knows? Um, but a one MOA gun does not mean a one MOA system. Realistically, as well as people now buying cheaper cheaper setups and expecting the same level of performance out of it. And while everyone and all manufacturers love to call their guns one MOA guns, um, It's not always the case. You know, I have shot plenty of guns that are brand new guns that are known brands that everyone loves and craves and harks on about and uh, realistically and honestly, a two MOA system um, when I'm shooting and I've had some that are three MOA as well. And you have to carefully weigh up. It's like, well, do I do ammo? Uh, Do I do a variety of ammo testing with this? Does it really matter for a bush bashing hunting gun? And some guys understand it. They don't care. They're like, two MOA, that's sweet. That's like all dead animals. Um, and the other factor in there as well is that some people are more realistic about their shooting shooting capabilities than others as well. I don't came to be a fantastic shooter, but uh, with everything shooting well on the day, including me, then, yeah, I'll consistently shoot under one MOA, you know. Um, I know that I, that's achievable. I have certain guns that I know that that is what I can achieve with it. Uh, if you go out hunting once or twice a year, and honestly think you can go down to a range with a brand new gun and shoot it, and it will always be under one mi, um, you're slightly delusional, to be blunt. Um, three rounds is not enough at a range to be a competent shooter. But hey, so yeah, so you need to have some some realistic realistic. Um, understanding of your ability to shoot and zero a rifle and that's why some people will get other people to shoot and zero their rifles for them uh then lets them know that yes the gun the system itself is shooting where it needs to be and you can just get out there and do the hunting side of it and the confidence that when you actually press a trigger that that projectile is all going well going to go where your scope is pointing at assuming you understand how that scope is set up to work. So the other thing I also find is um, we talk a lot about cold bore, cold shooter, um, clean bore, dirty bore, all these things. (coughs) Shot a lot of guns. I've shot a lot of brand new guns. I've shot some old guns, but to be honest, most of them are probably newer guns. Um, I find the biggest issue when I am doing it myself or I'm watching other people doing it out of cold bore, clean bore, all those things, is actually cold shooter. So the first couple of rounds that you shoot on any day um, are going to be potentially rushed because especially if you haven't shot for a bit or it's a brand new gun, you're a little bit excited. Um, You may break that shot with a less than perfect trigger press. Uh, You may not be quite comfortable behind the rifle yet. You may be getting used to the rifle, uh, particularly if the rifle hasn't been set up correctly. Uh, So those first couple of rounds often are less than optimal. And amazingly, there is an easy way to get around this, which gets harped on constantly over and over by all the um, trainers, educators, everything like that. And it's this crazy thing called dry fire. And um, <clears throat> certainly for some of us, while we were um, in lockdown, dry fire became more important because we weren't able to do live fire But dry fire is also this very simple thing that you can do that's free, uh, easy, and um, easily is one of the greatest improvements people can do before spending a day at the range, zeroing a rifle, anything like that, is to go through and get 5, 10, how 20, it doesn't matter, the more the merrier, good, clean, trigger presses and breaks, dry fire, no ammo through the gun before you put a single round into it. And, uh, I've done many shooting courses where the guys will come out and we'll spend nearly the, the, the first half of the day, uh, setting rifles up and doing dry fire. And about lunchtime, I'll say, Hey, I bet you guys thought you're all going to be shooting more actual rounds and, um, without fail, everyone turns around and goes, uh, yes, but we kind of see the point of this. And we've probably learned more, not actually making a bang, um, than, uh, many boxes of ammo down the range at an actual range. So get behind the rifle, get comfortable, get everything sorted. And we're going to talk about getting sorted in a moment, uh, but get everything sorted, get comfortable, go through the exact process like you would with a real round, Don't, don't short stroke the bolt, go for a bolt all the way back, all the way forward, practice getting that safety on and off, getting behind, nice clean press directly to the rear of that trigger, breathing cycle, everything. Like it was a perfect shot, thinking it's a perfect shot, working through the process, do that a couple of times before you take that first shot of the day. And what it does is it gets a little bit of the jitters and excitement uh, out of the way, gets you into the groove, gets you into um, you know what you need to be doing to actually be shooting, gets you in the right frame of mind um, so that when you break that first shot, that actual shot, you've gotten rid of, of the cold uh, shooter side of things now so we've got that the other thing is um and this is not really when things go wrong but it's probably worth mentioning is the notion of a uh cold bore um or a clean bore and there's two different things so cold bore is the idea that the first round um will impact in a different spot from the rest of them because your barrel is heating up and um certainly for pencil barrels Uh, like some of a lot of the kimbers i have found this is a case is that they get hot they're very thin very light guns wonderful guns super light but once you've got more than two or three rounds excuse me two or three rounds through it um they start uh stringing vertically but on the flip side um i have also found that a lot of the um barrels that people are actually shooting through the guns are shooting all the big 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 um, brands, the common brands, drift a lot more than people like to think. And they'll be shooting and one will go high and they're like, oh, it's vertical string and the barrel's heating up, needed it ever cooling down. It's like, mm, no, possibly not. I can do some pretty quick um, strings of fire through the ba- same barrels and um, they're okay. I saw an example recently where a guy had put uh, three rounds into a nice group and then had sent two uh, flyers, I suppose, um, will be lack of lack of a oh, for lack of a better term flyers and they were significantly out and um, this young guy uh, first time shooting this gun and possibly shooting full stop or shooting for a while and I said to him look um, you've got three nice group and these two have gone out um, was the barrel hot maybe Maybe Uh, another question to ask is after you'd shot a couple down there, did you kind of get a little casual and maybe a little bit cocky about your shooting and uh, weren't paying as much attention and sent one out where it shouldn't have been. Uh, At that point, you might've done the same thing again. Or the other thing is uh, you may have seen that one gone out, got a little bit hard on yourself, got into the wrong mental mode of it and sent another flyer out, which is not uncommon as well. Um, guys have been shooting for a while will understand that the mental aspect of the shooting is um, huge, is huge. You can just get into a bad funk and it's not going to help. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I sometimes think that the vertical string, I've seen some big overbore rifles do it. I have seen them, that the first round and the second round um, shifts a bit, uh, maybe. Again, we could be back to cold shooter as well. So, And then the other one is um, a clean bore, dirty bore. And the idea of that is putting some fouling through the barrel um, may change things. So if you're shooting for a bit and your gun seems to be drifting, maybe from a brand new gun, yep, it may be the case that it's fouling up. Um, again, I find that this is probably used as an excuse for it not shooting as well, or a gun not shooting as well as it could be, then for an actual reason... Um, Uh, again, in my experience, for the newer barrels, uh, older barrels are different sometimes. The the newer barrels, um, they have to get a fair bit of carbon, um, sorry, copper fouling into them for them to seriously, um, actually I'm talking the opposite, but yeah, you have to get a fair bit of uh, copper fouling in them for their shooting to degrade, and normally it's pretty obvious. On the flip side though, yes, I have noticed that um, some guns, again, Um, the older versions, Um, uh, the older barrels like my Remington did take about 20 to 25 rounds down there to foul up and to actually start grouping well. Modern barrels, uh, Tickers, Howers, uh, Sarcos, uh, most that I've dealt with, uh, doesn't seem to be so much of an issue. Now, it is true that over the first, say, 100 rounds of a barrel, the barrel may speed up slightly. But again, we're talking potentially um, 50 to 100 feet per second over 100, 150 rounds. And um, from point of impact, we're talking about a click or two difference. So when guys are going, oh, no, you know, my gun isn't shooting, but it's shooting like that is one thing. My gun isn't shooting, it's shooting like that is a different. If, it, if that is what it is, that is not um, your barrel breaking in or your barrels speeding up or anything like that you know it's these little shifts for that sort of stuff but again it's a go-to for people who um to be blunt uh, their shooting is maybe not quite where it needs to be and they um are looking for a reason other than themselves to go for that um and i should say at this point i have days where i can't shoot to save myself or at least I, I feel I am having trouble shooting or anything like that. And I have to go back to a gun that I know normally after a breather or a cuppa or just something, a break, go back to a gun that I know I can shoot, shoot a decent little group and, and reset my brain and get back to it as well. So there is just days where it's not your day to be shooting. Um, if that's the case, you need to be able to kind of realize that, recognize that and go just not my day. So, yeah. So cleaning, um, You know, I mean, if you've been shooting a gun and here's the other thing for most hunting rifles, they may not get shot enough in their lifetime to really be true, true copper fouling. But for the comp rifles, where you're shooting one, 200 rounds over a weekend, um, yeah, it doesn't take long We're probably a good scrub out Um, will help things. Um, Remembering then when you've done that, that yes, you may need to put a couple of rounds back through it to get it back into its um, state. So the idea of, of uh, cleaning a gun, not cleaning a gun, um, to me, I have always found the difference between a completely clean barrel and something with a couple of rounds through it is more significant than that couple of rounds through it through to a couple of hundred rounds through it. That initial is the bigger difference than the rest of it before it gets to the point where it sort of tells you um, that it needs a clean and um yeah i mean some rifles as well may not need less i mean as barrel manufacturing processes and everything like that get better um a lot of this they just seem to be more consistent and less temperamental so uh yeah well worth considering so um it's barrel breaking. I don't do a specific barrel break-in procedure. I will uh, I will advise the client from a brand new gun because they're not going to sit there and shot shoot through a hundred rounds to get the barrel seasoned, broken in, whatever you want to call it, sped up. Um, I will simply explain to them that if if for a their rifle, if they're going to get through a couple hundred rounds on it, then yeah, at some point they want to get back and confirm their zero. And to be honest, I would be suggesting we all need to confirm our zero every year, get to the range, put some rounds through, you know, put uh, before we go out hunting, get a box of ammo at a minimum at a range and do some practice, confirm the gun shooting where it is, confirm we're shooting where it is. You know, to me, that is the ethical and the moral um, requirement for hunting that way. You know, Uh, I don't, you know. Going out for a hunt and then realizing your gun is not zeroed afterwards is not ethical. Uh, Things happen. That's true. That's fair. But just not actually knowing if your gun zeroed properly is is a different thing again. All right. So, um, you know, we've got the ammo. We're shooting the same ammo. We've got ourselves warmed up. We know we're comfortable. We're shooting. We're kind of realistic as what we're going to be able to get out of it. You know, we're not expecting that brand new gun to be shooting a quarter minute gun compared to the, the, that guy's custom rig or that rig we saw on Facebook because um, I Facebook groups on Facebook are lies. To be blunt, that's um, it's selective. It's only the very best groups you'll see. And it still amazes me where a guy will be shooting all day long and then shoot a really tiny group and take a photo of it. And that is how well his gun shoots. No, your gun shoots the average of that whole day shooting. Selectively choosing the smallest group is selectively choosing a sample size. that's not representative of your gun, but then you put it up on Facebook. Everybody sees it. They assume their guns shoot that. All guns must shoot that. Well, that not any better. Everyone's expecting. Anyway, so yes. You're right, but we're shooting, and I, sometimes we've been shooting well in the morning, or we've been shooting initially, and it stops shooting so well. Hey Sam, uh, or maybe you've been shooting, and uh, or just doesn't shoot to start well with. Um, we need some kind of pro- <laughs> process that, oh, well framed, um, the process and steps to go through and uh, check why it not might not be shooting. And uh, since Sam's just tuned in, I, uh, I'm going to put uh, checking your action screws are tight quite to the top of that list. That's always That's a good question. Uh, yeah, but- I've, t- I've told this story before and I'll tell it again. I, my first shoot in the South Island, I shot like absolute crap for the first day. Uh, having, when I met Sam, when I met a lot of these guys, it just was not going right. At the end of the first day, I picked my rifle up. The rifle went clunk in the stock. And I realized that my action screws were, this is not loose. This is not talked up. This is nearly falling out of the stock. And it was a dumb move on my part because I just lost a day of shirt. It's still a great day catching up with all these people. And then I don't know if I ever told you, Sam, but you, I borrowed an Allen key off Sam that night. We talked it up. Next day, my mojo was gone anyway. It didn't really matter. <laughs> um, but then about two weeks later, I realized my butt stock was also sliding around because that was also loose so you know before if your gun's not shooting well before you decide you need to take it to a gunsmith a few things to think about is checking that all the screws are tight um action screws another thing i thought i'd put a comment in here not everyone might appreciate depending who's listening in howers. so how is in a uh, stock in new zealand The way that a hower is delivered to a lot of gun stores is a barreled action and a pile of stocks separate. So somebody in the gun store, normally at the back, one of the warehouse guys, which may have been me or may have been other people, is putting them together. They may or may not be tight, talked, who knows? It's put together possibly on a Friday before we get out. So it's a real good idea with a lot of new guns um, to... Basically, pull the thing to bits and rebuild it. And you might not be comfortable doing that, but at a minimum, I would be checking that the action screws on the bottom are torqued and snug. Um, I think Nick said to me several times that you guys, when you're doing those setup days, you pretty much just strip the guns to bits and put them all back together. eh, Sam.
1: Yeah, that's part of our, um, our course is um, uh, the the, the PR one course. We do. We actually, um, yes, that's one of the first things we do when we start gun over. We we talk about gun from the muzzle or you know, or suppressor or can end um, of the rifle and work our way back to the buttstock, checking mm. everything on the way that everything's tight. Um, one thing I actually just started doing is um, um, marking um, marking the suppressor with a yep. with a white mark on the end of the barrel and on the can so. That you just kind of glance up and see that those two lines are, are lined up correctly to the same point. Well,
0: it's it surprising. So if we start from the front, because I've written a list down. So let's start from the front of the gun. And the suppressor, I think, is um, sometimes responsible for a lot of a gun's been shooting well and suddenly stopped shooting well and groups, uh, rounds are flying all over the place. Is more than once after me decking around trying to figure out what's going on, I've actually gone, oh, hang on a moment, you know better than this reach forward and the suppressor has come just slightly loose um which is where those markings on it for a quick reference is a great idea um and this is good good um good barrels good suppressors good everything just because it occasionally comes loose now and then is not just a, a panic sign but the way tolerances work sometimes it just happens you know um and a good nip-up, so just checking the thing is tight, yeah, can make a world of a difference. And I suppose from a hunting point of view, if guys are out bush-wise and something might get banged, that'd be the first thing I'd be checking as well that the suppressor didn't get banged. Um, so, yeah, I, more than once I've even done it. Shooting great, everything's great. Suddenly the gun stops grouping. Say you're confirming something and, um, yeah, just checking that suppressor is, is on tight is a good idea. Um if you have a, if you have a can most most things we see are shooting fine and it's suddenly not nine times out of
1: ten I, I reckon that cans just come loose slightly and it does yep. affect thing yep. um, We definitely. actually have Richard, Nick had actually even tested one day um, that you can actually get a little bit of a point of impact difference he was using this three fifty seven lever action and it had a it had sort of a muzzle break that had a few different Positions that could go, and each of them were different. And that gun actually shot around in a circle, grouped around in a circle, depending on yeah. what where it was turned. So some of like the QD um, cans, yeah, um, they have three different positions where they're going. Um, paste to check, like set it on one spot, say with the writing at the top, shoot it, turn it, set it into the next spot, and shoot it, and see if it does make a difference. Because it, it could quite well. Shooting di- shoot to a different point of impact. I suppose for just the Q, yeah. Purely from the baffles, possibly from the different baffles, um, if they're not they staggered differently. Um, hmm. There's all sorts of things. It's a bit like, you know, some of your muzzle brakes, if you put them, you know, with the up and down, I've seen muzzle brakes come loose and they've had trouble having groups, you know, a directional muzzle brake.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yep.
0: Well, in some ways, it's, just, it's not. It's not dissimilar to the idea of guys are now playing with, with the uh, barrel tuners on the ends of their rifle. You're changing yep. the, the weighting changing and the something. position and everything. So if you've got something e- sitting on the end of your barrel and it's either loose or it's changed where the weighting is, logically it is going to change how your gun is shooting.
1: And if it's I loose, it's probably
0: if it's loose, it's loose, potentially changing every time you press the trigger. Yeah. I have so,
1: had
0: um,
1: someone say to me once... Um, uh, what was it, this was, oh, a suppressor cover, and he reckoned, he, he, he said, and, and I've, I've had this, I've had some rounds shoot well with the cover on, some rounds won't shoot very well with the cover on, you put the cover off and it shoots better, yeah. um, so always pays just check some of these things, you know, like, if how? You do run a cover. Try with it on. Try with it off. In some when you're of those seeing, bits, you've got different bits to turn yeah. around.
0: When you're seeing that difference, how big a difference are you seeing? Because I guess it's always important to uh, you know. Are we fine tuning here, or you're you know you're not going off paper on paper? No,
1: no, no. But I'm talking like you know, it could be out, could just shift things around by maybe an inch. Yeah, um, okay. it could be half an inch. But it, it, yeah, some of these some of these things, like say. May not happen all the time, it may depend, you know, on, on various things, but it pays sometimes to actually just test these things. So if you do shoot with the cover on, try shooting with it off, see if it actually makes a difference. It may not make a difference, it might make a difference. You don't know.
0: Well, and the greatest the great thing about this whole thing is that it's well, easy to test in that. You can just test one way, test the other way. It's a good excuse yep. to be doing some more shooting. It's like people will often go, oh, well, what happens if I do this? I'm like, well, just do it. Go go shoot some more. Shoot and see. Um, you know, time and uh, projectiles or ammo, uh, you know, limitations maybe, but, hey, it's worth trying out. Um, so, yeah, checking there on tight. The Your... On the inside, the um the the bushing on the inside of the scope, uh sorry, of the suppressor where it touches the baffle, um, can be another place. I've seen those come loose as well and uh, slightly change point of impact or just start causing some issues. Um, it's a separate thing. Are you still tending to not bother with those bushings and cans, or just does it depend? Did, depends on the
1: gun. I did it. I did away with bushings a long time ago. Yeah. Um, uh, a, some of them, they just I don't know I could say there was a kind of a point once upon a time about having, you know, you've got two points and it kind of rigids up the barrel and that kind of thing, but I, I generally use muzzle forward cans now but what I actually found was that they actually also retain quite a bit of heat it, I reckon it comes down to what your purpose is if you shoot hunting rifle, you shoot one shot, doesn't make any freaking difference yeah. whether you're using one of those um, bushes or not now, if you're shooting 10-round strings at a PRS match, I know when I it depends on the weight of your barrel, but I've seen after three rounds, you can hear a difference. Um, the whole pitch that if your barrel harmonics changes, I've heard it go twing and I've seen bullets just barrel just walk off incredibly through heat, especially on a, a standard sporter type barrel. I've seen them walk off of those bushes. You take the bush out and it allows the barrel just a bit more movement. But when it heats up, if you've got a tight bush, you can hear it change. Is that, is that barrel starts to heat up? It yep. gets tighter on that bush, yep. changes things totally. Yep. Um,
0: well, I wonder, so, I was talking earlier so about. It, it just,
1: depends on your purpose. You
0: know? Yeah, I was, I was talking earlier about wandering barrels, you know, where barrels heat up. And I do wonder sometimes if that is actually the accounting for more of the wandering than the barrel itself that's heating up. Again, depending on the thickness of the barrel and, and design of the barrel and everything like that. But yeah, the, probably the biggest, <laughs> the biggest issue I've ever seen for guns that were shooting well and then not was the suppressor just came loose. So uh, I encourage everyone, the first thing to check is just if things have gone pear-shaped, stand up, grab a breather, and then just check that your suppressor hasn't come loose. Mm-hmm. um and then going back down the barrel a little bit we don't want to go too deep into you know life of barrel and stuff the other thing that i find is often loose is the bipod so um had a guy last week the guys were having a bit of a challenge with the shooting and this is actually i talked about it earlier with the guy where he shot three and then had some flyers and then wasn't sure what it was and um well i said oh maybe you, you got a little cocky with the shooting and everything so well maybe i did. Then I shot it, then I also realized, although I, I shot better, I also realized this bipod was uh, loose on the spigot, which is the first thing. So the whole bipod itself was slapping around on the spigot. So we tightened that up. At the same. Well, I untightened it because at that point I pointed out or realized that the uh, bipod was also mounted on backwards. And... Um, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So I asked the guys, like, do you load the bipod? Have you read that on the internet that you need to load a bipod? He's like, yep. I'm like, well, it's backwards, so you're nearly pushing it off its legs. Oh, Harris style bipod, so it's you know he's nearly collapsing the thing every time. So we turn that around, um, and then of course the cant on it as well was loose as all hell, so the gun was flopping around in it. So I mean, anything that is not Height on your gun and is shifting from shot to shot is going to affect shot to shot. So a bipod loose on the spigot because the spigot's coming loose or the the adapters had it or whatever it is and the cant on it, um, yeah, can can affect things, especially for guys who are not necessarily loading or positioning behind their rifle the same way every time. Yep, yeah,
1: yep. I've, I've, I've had a few times come loose on my um. My three through eight, I've had the, uh, the screws come loose on, on the Picatinny rail that I mount the bipod to. That on the three through eight seems to be often. <laughs> I've locked tied it, I've done all sorts, but they just still seems to keep coming loose. So I have to just be aware of that. Um, well, that but hey, that, it's, it's all, all sort of that. It's just that little bit of a rock, you know, a little bit of play yep. under recoil. Things play and move and rattle a little bit. Um, especially things
0: like the 338s or your magnums or anything like that where they're belting around a bit um, you know but I mean there was a learning curve for me after my you know the alpine shoot where you know the bolts just come loose that I will regularly now just a matter of fact go through although I tend to be taking stuff out of stocks and in stocks anyway but I'll just go through and check all these fixings on any rig like that just because I don't want to happen that kind of thing to happen again um Mm -hmm.
1: I, I hadn't been one for marking stuff, but um when we started doing our courses and that, Nick's been a bit of a sticker for it. I've decided to start doing it and I've marked all my rings and all sorts of stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, what's the incidentally, what's the pen you're using for that? Because I'm trying to find a decent I pen. actually just I actually just got
1: a um it's like a white ink marker, yeah. like a white paint marker. Um yep. I think I just got it from um, Warehouse Stationery. Um, Same, and, and I, 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 it's got the ball bearing thing inside. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: yeah, I, I, I kind of did that, and I figured by the time it wears off and you notice it's worn off, it's probably time to check everything is just sweat again and remark it. It's not a bad way of going. Oh well, I can't see the marks anymore. Let's just double check all those screws, yep. and everything, and then remark it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, especially like I say, you're, you're most of the screws won't come loose. The suppressor being the the um, one on that. So stocks in regards to whether your your stock is still free-floating or anything like that, I have some, seen some cheaper rigs that seem to have drifted enough in the stock to be touching the side. And it's sometimes just a case of releasing the action screws up and um, centering the barrel again and tightening everything up. Um, most higher-end rifles or chassis rigs, stuff like that, that's not an issue. Um, but yes, yeah, so I have just seen some guns where you kind of just loosen it, recenter, and and tighten things up. Um, you know, and that 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 can do it again, especially once things get hot and expand and slightly move and start pushing, or uh stocks which have got more flex in them, and the other thing is, is everything's getting hotter and you're loading a bipod and now you're actually pushing it into the stock as well. Um that can can be a factor sometimes, but normally it's actually just a screw that's gotten loose and the whole thing is moving. Um so, talking about screws coming loose, uh, bases and rings um, is another doozy. Uh, I was at a range once, and some guys were shooting. One guy I could actually hear was getting frustrated about how his gun was shooting, and in the next string, his scope literally fell off the side of his rifle. Um, weirdly enough, ten minutes. Why was later, it mounted
1: to the, Why was it mounted to the side of his rifle?
0: Sorry, it fell off. <laughs> Fell down, falling down off the. Sea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the crazy thing is, is like 10 you, you minutes later. That one, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, yeah. <laughs> 10 minutes later, um, another guy had exactly the same problem. It's just like, how? It
1: fell off the side of his gun as well?
0: Yeah, it fell off the top, down past the side of his rifle. <laughs> there you go. Ping <laughs> Um. Yeah, so. Um, yeah i don't i don't know how that's pretty damn loose and but I've, I've seen it happen I've you know again i've been zeroing a rifle getting frustrated for how with it and then you just do something go to change a turn or something and you notice the whole scope moves um again this is where having a system of going through and checking everything you know i think we'd adjusted the scope i'd set a, a brief adjustment for the guy we'd loosely set it all up all good started got excited started shooting and hadn't done the final talk up on those um on the rings on that case um so yeah i mean if if guys if you're getting serious with this stuff i highly encourage something some form of torque torque drive screwdrivers something like that um the wheeler kits do one um there is the fix it sticks which is what i use um a yeah, that's,
1: I, I, I like I like those the ones you got. Your are um, sticks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I used to use. I, I've actually got a few. I've got some Brownells torque limiters, which are, um they're just like a T handle. They go click click. Yeah. But um I got that smaller kit off um what's the name from um Ty, uh, Stuart Taylor there and um yeah, yeah that's a bloody good yeah. little kit small. Good evening so, you, you can just keep it in your pack yeah you know,
0: it, it, it's stuff. all it's all relative the, again the difference between trying to do it by ear or by feel and actually having some kind of torque driver even if the torque's not exactly 100% what it says it is it's still in theory a lot more consistent than trying to do it by feel or i go till it's tight then i turn the allen key another quarter or I've heard one guy who bent it until there's a certain angle on the Allen key and that's how much torque he knows is going on. Um, yeah. You know, that's the, if you want it repeatable, and repeatability is the name of the game here, um, it's not a bad idea for you or get one of the lads for Christmas or something a torque drive because you might not use it as much as we use our torque drives, but it's still good to have. Um, do you tend to lock tight bases and rings? Yeah. yeah. Generally, yep. um,
1: the one thing I've learnt with the uh, with doing those is that um, you know, it says maybe to talk them to twenty five. We're using Loctite, maybe torque to twenty. Yeah, just because I'm um, lube on the threads um, will allow it to uh, talk tighter.
0: Because um, there is a technical term for it, but basically you've described it. Lube on the threads means it's gonna yeah, you can back off on the torque and it achieves the same thing. Dry torque, yep. right oh, I don't know. Um, um,
1: I t- funny, funny one. Uh, I had, um, you know, those um Suarez DS scopes, but a friend of mine had a Sarko carbon light, and we'd set it up previously. And he, um, because it requires 40 mil rings, we had to put one of those um near near mounts to go on the Sarko, the Picatinny rail. Oh, yeah, that attaches to their you know, their tapered dovetail.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh. <laughs> He'd um we'd set it up and it had been shot been shot a wee bit and we'd done a bit of stuff anyway he went away to um went away to field and and he was carrying the you know rifle muzzle up the whole time bashing around the you know in the bush and the, on 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 strapped to his pack now he got back home and he decided to come out and shoot it because he hadn't shot it in a while and three shots in the scope with the whole Picatinny rail slid off and in the face. In the face. But think- what, what that was, what that was, the like recoil on those Sarcos is supposed to obviously as the recoil comes back, it wedges because they're tapered, yeah. supposed to wedge and get tighter. But when you're carrying those guns, you're actually carrying it up and there's quite a bit of weight in those scopes, like they're about a kilo. So every time you jump off stuff in here, you've got the jarring that's picking you start kind of go the other way. And only has to move a tiny amount and that's gonna come loose. So what I said, I said this is no good. So I, I took it into the gunsmith and we um tapped a screw down at the back through the picketing rail and into the back of the action, um, through the dovetail, so that there's no way you know, it would go up as tight as it could, and there's no way it can come back off. Yeah. So that's how we fix that gun. So if anyone's gonna start going and put a picker rail, I I tell them you should do that because that with a heavy scope, that is you know, I've seen it happen. Um, and I'm sure it can happen to. Is that you know, two of lads who both
0: tie, had two lads who both had carbon lights? That he one. Had a
1: light. He
0: had a carbon light. Yeah. Was it two, Is it two of them who hang out together? Who both got carbon lights? No. No, oh, that's right. No, I saw so something. Post, I saw something similar um, up in the store. And I think there was a couple of boys from down south who were visiting, and they were having trouble with the scopes coming off the back of their carbon lights. And same thing. I think it was prior to going on the dovetails. The sliding uh, prior, the to go on, yeah, prior to going, yeah. Prior to going on to the pick rails, and it was off those dovetails. Um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, just. And, I mean, anything we've got
1: a, a taper going one way, right? Yeah, more it goes that way, it's going to wedge in, but there's no nothing to stop it coming back. If it's yeah, you know, it could be tight, but if you get enough of the jar, and I said, well, yeah. you know, I said to him, like he's he's you know full on hunting. I said. I said, wouldn't it be bad if you jumped off, you know, a, a thing or whatever, over a boulder in the <laughs> creek, and you fucking scoped this fucking fell straight off and down into the fucking water and washed away? I said, that would fuck you off, wouldn't it? I said, uh, you know, See, it, would, it would then fall off t- the back, would it? <laughs> it would. It would fall off the back rather than off the side. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, you know, I said, that would fuck you off, wouldn't it? That'd, you know, they'll make you take so your
0: yeah. So, so that's the same thing. Um, you know, again, for guns, with not shooting right, check the things are tight, you know, a lot yeah. of this is going to go back to if it's shooting good and suddenly isn't check, the thing is tight. Um, not, not too much going into the actual scope mounting side of things, but it is a really good idea for guys to learn the basics of, of scope mounting or scope setup for them. Um, you know, I mean, we, On the show here, we probably spend a lot of time getting eye relief and scope set up and everything right for our position. A lot of hunters probably don't. They just, it's set up in the store um, and they never change it because they're worried about changing anything. Um, But another thing you might find is if you're just having trouble shooting a gun and you're having trouble getting in, comfortable behind that gun and behind that scope, it may be the case that that eye relief or that scope is just not set up in, in a conductive way for you to be shooting comfortably and if you find you're shuffling behind a gun a lot or moving around from shot to shot, then yeah, your shots are going to go in different places every time because you're basically addressing that gun differently every single time. And so... Um, Remem-
1: remembering if you're using a dial-up scope that your reticle needs to line up directly through the centre of your bore or your barrel mm. because that's, you know, it tracks straight up. If, you, if, your barrel's, if your barrel's here and your reticle's here, your scope's going to track up and down on that angle. Yep. Your reticle needs to run right the way down through the centre of your bore. Um,
0: and, and look, I, I, without bagging anyone in particular, because I've seen them from all kinds of stores, I have seen some scopes set up horrifically.
1: Oh, of so gun stores,
0: right. freaking uh, yeah. on the purse. Um, yeah. Wrong screw. You'll, you'll, usually,
1: you'll usually find they might have a lazy eye, <laughs> 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 or
0: or a lazy Friday might be the other thing. But I've but I've seen Ch- Ch- Ch-
1: if someone's setting up a gun for you, yeah, make sure they don't have one guy goes this way, one goes the other way. <laughs> it's probably if, not. They're the probably not going to get up. Shit, no.
0: But look, a real simple, yeah. real simple check I have for people is you just get the back of your gun and, and point it safe direction, unload it, everything like that. But just line the stock up so it seems to be plumb to your eye, and then look at the back of the reticle. And does the reticle seem to the, the vertical axis of the reticle seem to go down through that stock? And I mean, I have seen guns that you just eyeball it from the back of the gun and it's yeah. not even close. Yeah. Um, before we get into super high bubbles and everything. Again, maybe not so critical for the 50-meter, 100-meter guns, but some don't even seem to be that that close. Um, and the other one I've had recently, more than once, is, uh, and I will—I don't even need to look through these guns sometimes to do this, I've had a couple of rifles turned out that the diopter, so the, do I have a scope here, I don't have one up here, but the, the adjustment right at the back of the scope where your eye looks into has been wound out that you noticeably can see that the thing has been wound out. Um, and unless you are wearing significant corrective lenses, there's no way that a diopter should be that far out. If you don't regularly wear glasses or contacts and you find a diopter's is wound that way out, then you'll probably find that winding it all the way in is not going to be perfect when we kind of go from the perfect diopter setting, but it's going to be better than where it was. Um, and often I've, I've had a guy recently, nice, it was a Swaro. And I just—I grabbed it. I just dialed the thing in. For even looking through it, gave it back to him and said, "Does that look better?" And he's like, "It does." I'm like, "Yep you—you you just had like a plus three, plus four, something crazy um, lens correction, you know, like thick glasses at the back of your scope."
1: Just just while we're on that, um, quickly. Yep. Um, on a lot of your, well, I see it's on every scope, some have got fast focus eyepieces, though. So. They're kind of reasonably stiff and they're just the very back part turns. Yep. On on all your other ones, like a lot of your cheaper ones where they might have a, a ring that you loosen and then the whole eyepiece winds in or winds out. Um, make sure you lock that ring back up because if you look through it and have that loose, you can actually grab that whole thing and it'll go and your reticle will move up and down this I assume it's probably just on the second focal plane your reticle will rock up and down. Um, one that's really bad is the VX2 Leopold. So they that- don't seem to have a locking ring. The VX1s did, the VX3s did, the VX2s for some reason didn't have a locking ring on it. Just skipped up um, with that I've, one. I've got a one and a half to four, and uh, I think I've got it wound all the way out, and it, it, it comes tight when it's all the way out, or all the way in. Mm-hmm. Um, so um. I've got and it doesn't matter because it's a long eye relief scout scope. So it doesn't really matter, you know, where it's set. But yep. it, it seems to the you know, I think it's all the way up. I've got it. And it's just locked tight. So therefore it can't rock. But if you go adjusting your your diopter in the back, um, check your zero again. Like sometimes yep. you, you know, there, there is a chance when you look through it and you rock it, that reticle will move. Yeah. So if you've locked it and it's kind of locked in a slightly different position to what it was before, it may have shifted to zero. Yeah, your zero. You're always adjusting. You're always fucking around adjusting that. Well, there is a chance it could move. May not. May. Yeah, and
0: it's enough that if you're looking through the scope and able to do that and watch your reticle move, it's enough that it's shifting your zero somehow. Um, I had a I had a sig, one of the new BDXs. Um That was I was having trouble, and then eventually I went to adjust or grab the diopter or something, and found the same thing. It was wiggling and waggling at the back, and in the end, it was like, "Well, actually, that's faulty. It needs to go back," which I believe it did. Mm-hmm. But we got through the day shooting, as you said, by just screwing it in all the way because that would at least lock yep. it so the reticle wasn't shifting from shot to shot. And it yep. wasn't ideal, and I gave it back to the client and said, "Look, this is it's actually zeroed for your hunt this weekend, which they needed to get out with it, but." Um, yeah, you've got an issue with it and it should go get it checked. And I'm pretty sure it all, it all went and happened anyway. Yeah. Uh, but the again, other the
1: other one loose bits. Yeah,
0: yeah. the other one just
1: on scope so is um over tightening your rings and you've kind of um I don't necessarily crushed, but I have had it once or twice with the odd of scope. Where, and this is where I realized on the um using loctite and using the torque setting, and I've done it just a little bit too tight. And Sometimes I've noticed in the parallax on this one, it didn't want to work. But they can sometimes jam your elevation or yep. your parallax or something, and you may not get much in the way of tracking very well. So that also can can have an issue as well. So, things.
0: Yeah. So that that leads us into the scope itself and the function of the scope. Yeah. And yeah. I forget what the figure was. I heard it, it was a vortex. Uh, I don't know if it was Vortex Nation podcast or as was an interview with one of the Vortex guys, and they estimated it was well over 50% of all their warranty returns came down to overly tight rings. Yeah. Um, because if you, I've always sort of an analogy, I've always said like the old school watch, it's like a watch mechanism in there. I mean, the mechanism inside a scope is pretty fine and pretty um, yep. delicate, maybe not the right to whatever it is, but you then put it into a tube which has got very tight tolerances going on, and then you take that tube and you compress it, and you're not to the point where you're pinching or marking it, but you're just compressing it down, and then stuff doesn't function as well as it can do or should do in there. And they were saying a lot of the times they Mm -hmm. can loosen it up, wind the thing back down, everything out, it actually comes springs and everything loosens back up, proper talk, and the the scope is working again. It's not necessarily a permanent damage doing that, unless some dude's like snapping... Screws and stuff off on the rings, which I've um, also heard happen. Poor, poor cheap
1: rings too. Like you know, I've seen yep. I've
0: seen some stuff where just
1: um, you know, I've, I, I used to try to say to guys, you're putting a decent scope on, you put some, you know, dialable, put some decent rings on, because I've seen a lot with a you know cheap rings and haven't been lapped. Like I mean, it's like you, say you use tallies, you know, tally one piece rings where you know they just the screws go down through the mount they have a tool for that that has a gap so that you can tighten them up through yep. it so that that lines the two rings because those holes, you know, they can, if they're a little bit off, put that tube in, it'll start you know, bending things and that'll cause, that can cause erratic function yep. of your scope where you do it and it may not move and then it jumps and moves and things like that or sometimes may not even be able to get things zeroed. It may be off one side quite a lot. Um, so There's all sorts of things like that that you know, yeah. use good rings and do them properly and, you yeah, know, that sometimes can get rid of quite a few problems. For that
0: I've had it happen a few times as well where you're, you're setting the rifle up, you've gone through and checked everything, everything torque-wise and everything seems okay, so presses on tight. But, yeah, the scope just does not seem to want to behave and track like it yep. should. And normally it's the cheaper end of scopes. Um, and you get to the point instead of being able to shoot and measure and adjust specifically and shoot and everything works like it should, which again, the higher end scopes I find, normally are easier to zero because you you know you measure that you need to come up or left three clicks or whatever it is, you click and it, it shifts. Some of the cheaper scopes, cheaper rings, odd, odder settings, yeah, you just have, you kind of click a couple over and shoot and it doesn't go where you think it is. You click another one, then it goes screaming past and you're back to that game of clicking a few, giving it a tap, which you use so and you really have to do with the older scopes, but sometimes give it a tap to make sure everything internally is settled. Shoot, move, shoot, move until you're actually zeroed and then stop touching the thing. And again, cheap scopes, bush guns, Fine, but I always worry that if the thing takes a good knock, then that's when you're gonna lose your zero because the scope is gonna shift.
1: There is there is quite a thing too with um with new optics um fitted. So you know, I never seen so much you know any any of this with um older scopes, but especially I've noticed with a lot of like the Leopold VX5, VX sixes. You know, the elevation turret's not usually too bad, but the windage ones are terrible. You turn them, they don't move. You turn them, they don't move, and then suddenly they move. And um, So what, what I tend to do um, with a lot of those scopes before I even put them on or put them on before I start zeroing, whole bloody just fucking fall to one wind. side, back to the other, back and forth, back and forth, on the top, up and down. Give them a good one get all that um all that grease that's in them, um, you know, moving and actually allow to work. I know I did notice with one of the um, element ones that I played with once, and, uh, um, you know, it was brand new straight out of the packet. And, like, carrots weren't very nice, and I was like, these are a bit. Anyway, I wound them a little bit, and then I wound the back down, and I wound it up, and then suddenly they just started coming real nice. It It was just purely just brand new. Too much grease, they just needed... Yeah, just neatly good
0: good. Or it could be on. a case of assembly with it. Someone's I'm gonna it's gonna sound rougher than it probably is, but they put a bit of grease on the threads or in some part of it, not necessarily nicely spread around. So by yeah. moving it, yes, it just spreads that that yeah, lube grease.
1: But yeah, a lot of like just you get a new scope, you start to work the structure works turrets a wee bit, and then you'll find it'll it'll yeah. track
0: track a lot better to start when you get zeroed a lot quicker. Mm, um, agreed. Agreed. Very, yeah. very good point. Um so yeah, tracking is is one of those things. Again, you got to keep uh, a realistic expectations. If you've bought the cheapest ring and the cheapest scopes, and you've got it on a cheap gun and everything, no, it may not track perfectly, and doesn't matter for a bush gun. But you know, it's separate. Separate tracking tool test is a separate thing. Anything. Um, the other thing I've also noticed on some rifles is some rifles um, have some or some scopes have some horrific parallax issues in them um and even some scopes that should be better and i maybe it's just the amount i'm shooting that i'm getting more aware of the parallax um i generally find it is on well logically on the fixed parallax so it's fixed at 100 yards often we're shooting at 100 meters i don't know if it's me just noticing it more um but yeah the, I more, the, had... the more the better
1: optics you use the crapper everything thing becomes
0: so but yeah i have had i mean i have had, had some scopes where you just get behind the rifle it's a fixed parallax and you move your head around and the the reticle is just moving off the paper on the paper and everything like that um if that is the case and that is the gear you're dealing with then you need to get very very picky about your head position behind the rifle um the adjustable parallax if you can dial the parallax out of your scope is not Not that I'm encouraging people to be lazy with their fundamentals or their positioning, but it lets you kind of move your head around a little bit and the parallax isn't going to punish you as bad as that fixed parallax cheap scope where your head is on a different place on the stock each time. So again, we're back to if it's also the eye relief is wrong and you find you're shuffling on it because of length pull and you're just moving heaps around on your rifle and there is parallax in your scope, then yeah, every time you press that trigger, you're probably hitting a different bit. What have you done? Double charged, undercharged, lost no, no, around. I'm just,
1: check, I'm just checking they're all good.
0: <laughs> I don't want you making a squib load up while you're uh, busy talking on the show. Yeah. Then we can we, then we can do about basic reloading, faux pas and you can tell us all about it. So yeah, but yeah, the parallax I have noticed, and sometimes this is a cheap scope. That's this is part of the issue with you, you know um you get what you pay for on certain things on saying that to be fair i've had some high-end scopes that also just seem to be a prick but they seem to be the the odd one out that needed to go back and have a look at rather than you know again talking about that that notion of i find the more the better gear is just generally more consistent it's not a guarantee every single time that everything will be perfect because some things just don't you Know there are genuine warranty or manufacturing issues, but I just generally find the higher end stuff is more consistent, easier to do not all the time, but often. So that's your parallax. Got the screws, got comfortable with that. Um, Red, oh, bedding,
1: yeah, bedding, um, yeah, um right. Let's yeah, let's get into it. So, those
0: doing well before we get into our bedding and, the, and pulling a gun to bits, is there any other? You know, on the range, things that we need to be thinking about and checking that might have just done them. I mean, to me, most of it is something has come loose, starting with the suppressor, then checking your, you know. Um, yeah. And the only, only the thing stock, I said,
1: we do, we do, we do check, we do see um, uh, a bit of a, a twist and a lift on your barrel against your stock. So by doing that, a, you can just check. And I have had a barrel actually come loose on my three eight before. Um a I battle. finished the match and I was like and I was like I'd finished shooting it. was it was a King of Range or one of those. Um, and a buddy yeah, I, I went to um I went to check my muzzle break or something or went to put a ball back and suddenly the whole barrel turned. <laughs>
0: that'll do it. <laughs> so like,
1: yeah. shit, that'll come loose. I was wondering why the like the last string of the day we were doing, it'd been fine. And then like I ended up just chasing the round around the target. Like, the first shot was on and then the second shot was high left. And then, and then, so I went up high left and then it suddenly hit high, low, right. You know, and, um, and so, you know, oh, sorry, no, like it hit, it hit high left. So I then aimed low, right. And then it hit low left. Yep. And it would just, it went around. And, and then after a few shots, I'm like, I'm just chasing this around. I'm just going to aim center of the plate. Aim center of the plate. And one went on and one went off. I was like, oh, mm. there's something odd here. And then, i um, yeah, I found a barrel that you just come slightly loose. Um, And I've a Picatinny Rail come loose and that thing like that That thing used to beat up everything. I had to glue (laughs) everything on because I was always gluing stuff back on. It It was just, it just seemed to rattle everything loose, that thing. Um.
0: I guess one thing that maybe also I want to stress and get across to people as well is if something isn't seeming to go right with your gun, you need to have a little bit of faith in yourself that what you're observing is actually happening. Rather than sitting there and going, especially for guys on a range where they're going through a box of ammo or just something's not working, stop, think about it, do something about it and try and fix it rather than just hoping the next round will somehow magically fix stuff because things are, you know, when something's loose, it's like no minute, no many more rounds you put through there. If the scope doesn't seem to be tracking right and you really feel that you've moved Assuming you understand, you know one MOA, one point zero two five inch, and every you understand how it's meant to be tracking. But if it doesn't seem to be right, then you're probably right, and you need to do something about it rather than just com- continue shooting and hoping something will change magically. You know, I think that's a big thing. As I watch guys just keep shooting, you're like, well, how we, are you going to change anything? Or are you just going to keep on hoping that some somehow it, your gun's going to start shooting better? Stop fix if you're not sure and there's people around ask confer you know get a second opinion um but yeah things don't normally correct themselves if we don't actually stop and do something to fix them um one other thing that you just i just thought about which um i've seen happen once and this was during a comp so this was a specific situation it was a- the action
1: screws on on a on a on a wearington can <laughs>
0: Man, I volunteered that right at the front. I know I was you just. I just. You still know... to, I still had to bring be... it. Okay, fair enough. Hey, I wear it. It's all good. <laughs> um, no, this was a this was earlier days. It was a Ruger RPR three hundred eight when they were the bee's knees. Still um, uh, three hundred eight. It was an Oceania defense uh, can on the front and a big muzzle. Uh, sorry, suppressor cover. You know, full thermal, uh, mm-hmm. Armageddon style, proper cover. And uh, I was spotting for the guy. He was shooting. It was pretty fast strings. There was a lot of rounds going through. And I was just correcting him lower. You know, half a mil lower. No, come down. Another two mil lower. No, another two mil. No, another three mil lower. Four mil. And he went through a string. And it was 10 plus rounds. So big strings in this comp. And afterwards, I'm like, were you even listening to my corrections? Because I kept on calling you down and you just kept on shooting higher and higher and higher. And he's like, no, I was holding further and further down. And what we... I had an inkling, you know, immediately, oh, okay, the heat barrels, barrels maybe coming up or something. So um, didn't touch the suppressor because they had the cover on it, right? Touched the barrel, too hot, you know, burning hot. Uh, Touched the action. The action was so hot that you couldn't touch the action. So what I said to him was like, well, humor me, because they're just this cover had been on it. Can you take the cover off your suppressor cover, uh, off your suppressor, and we'll let the gun cool down and uh, see how it shoots. And because everyone has a spare Oceania Defence Titanium Suppressor in the bag, he said, oh, actually, I've got another suppressor. We can just swap it over. I'm like, okay. So in the next stage, though, ran it without the cover on it, and the um, overheating issues basically went away. So the combination of that suppressor cover doing its job, the Mirage cover, was keeping all the heat in, so you weren't getting any Mirage issues. But the heat has to go somewhere. It doesn't magically just disappear. It was staying in the suppressor, getting transferred to the barrel, going all the way down to the action, and the whole thing was overheating. Taking that cover off was enough to fix the issue. So for guys who are running suppressor covers or Mirage covers that are the proper heavy duty ones, they are designed, and if you look at a lot of the PRS guys overseas, they will take their cans off or they'll take the covers off at bare minimum in between strings of fire. Uh, Because if you don't over a couple of stages, everything can get very, very, very hot. Hunting won't be an issue. Uh, longer ranges at the range or stuff like that, yeah, it could be an issue. So if you're getting heating, over overheating issues, again, you might find taking that suppressor cover off might just help.
1: Also, remembering that, if you're running over barrel suppressor, your yep. can's getting hot and you've got a bush in the back, there's nowhere for that heat to go. It sits mm. here and cooks underneath your cover. Um so yep. yeah paint, so the, you know, that, the covers are awesome downfall with an over barrel but yeah if you've got the bush in the back i mean that that whole india barrel sitting under that can is super hot and hardly ever cool um yeah it'll probably probably wreck India your barrel quicker your crown will burn out um, more i guess probably
0: yep um, so yeah so that's I don't know, man, that's that's a fairly comprehensive list of things to be checking and going through just on the range. That's all sort of stuff that you can probably fix on the range or when you're actually shooting and sorting before you have to pull the thing and go, oh, you know, something's actually wrong, take it off to a gunsmith. So um, for a bit as well, you mentioned um, bedding. So we've done all that, we checked everything is happy, everything is good. The gun is just still not shooting at that point, I suppose you got two options. You can either, depending on what you want to do, and the the bidding thing, I guess I, we say before this is also again, how well do you want or expect that gun to shoot? Um, so bidding might be an option. And I, I know, I know you love betting guns. I know you it's, yep. I like you like
1: guns, to do. Yeah. Yep. Um, so one we notice quite a bit especially in ones like uh, with the teakers. Um, when we have them, guys come to the range and they shoot like an 8-inch group. We know most of those usually shoot pretty good. What we usually find is that there is a um, bunch of uh, gun oil between the action and the, uh, and, and the whatever it's bedded to in the plastic stocks or whatever. Um, also, some people that love to oil the shit out of their rifles. Mm-hmm. That stuff soaks down and gets everywhere. It soaks down through your action screws and into the bedding area. And what we end up with is just a hydraulic action, and you just find shot after shot that they just um, they just they just don't they don't shoot accurately.
0: So to yeah. to explain for people when you when you say a hydraulic action, you've got some kind of fluid or liquid, I should say, a liquid yep, in between, between in between two solid surfaces. Yeah, And it's shifting and moving slightly. So in this case, yeah. your recoil lug on the action and the Well, it's not necessarily the, the recoil lug. It's, it's not usually
1: generally the recoil lug, it's usually you know where Just your, your action screws are base of Re- yeah, sorry, sorry base of the, the base, action Yeah.
0: yeah. So yeah. that's now shifting every time again, only slightly, but shifting enough, pulling the when you're pressing the trigger that it's physically shifting, but probably also affecting the harmonics of your system. Um, and causing issues with it. And that's, again, although we're not even necessarily, we are talking bedding, but we're not talking about bedding a gun. We're just talking about pulling the yep. gun out of its action and giving it a good clean.
1: Yeah, a good clean um, out. So, like, you know, be, be wary of your oiling your gun. You know, I never oil I didn't put any oil near mine. I'd use grease for these use, you know, oil, a couple of drops of grease on the um, back of the recoil lugs, and that's about it. That's all i do. Um, it's it's not, use, it's not like, one of those um, cleaning things with a, uh, what do you call it? A ball guide? Yeah. That puts the oil, doesn't get oil in reaction. If you put you know, damp mop down from one. I'm, sorry, right? I'm sorry,
0: Sorry, sorry. Sorry, people clean their balls or, or don't use ball guides. Who, yeah, who would not use a, Who in the right mind would oh, not use a people, ball guide?
1: Plenty of people yeah. don't use a ball guide. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, I know what you mean. You run, I'm fading, yeah, but yeah, you run something through with oil, and, and oil yeah, just soaks everywhere. So, yep. and that gets in there. And I find a lot of that you pull guns apart, and it's like they, it's, the it's the shit out of it, yeah, drenched it, and it goes through and it just gets all stuck back in the bedding. I um, clean it all out. And then they get re-oil
0: their gun. Yeah, they and then they grease the everything. yeah. Well, yeah. no, I'll grease all the crap out of it. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, you pull these yeah. actions a bit. Or the other one I do find is you pull an action to bits because I've had guns that don't shoot, and eventually I'd go, right, everything on the outside seems fine. Pull the pull the gun out of the action and find half of the forest sitting underneath between the, the yep. gun and the action. And they just slowly work away. I've seen blood and all kinds of man stuff under there, and you're just like, Yeah, good old clean, um. You know, if there's a, a bit of a branch or a twig or something gets jammed up between the action and the barrel, which I've seen. Yep.
1: Greg um, um, Dooley did a did um, a really good show of that on the, on one of his TV shows here once, where they missed a stag and they went back off down the truck and pulled the gun apart, and there was only the gunk under it. And they cleaned it out, and then it shot well again. But it yep. you know, it was out by a couple of inches, at four or five hundred meters that they were shooting, it was enough to gut shoot the thing or, or mm. put it, put the bullet underneath.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a difference between those two, but yes, yeah, yeah. Well, they, yeah, they they
1: claimed it went underneath. I think it did, nick the bottom of his belly. Um,
0: as and and saliva, what, saliva, what can yeah. what can happen with that as well is it might be fine and then eventually shifts enough to cause an issue. So again, it could be shooting fine and then goes goes pear shaped, and you found something underneath has finally shifted enough to cause to cause that problem. So, yeah, I mean, another thing, especially if you've been in the bush, something like that, apart from the fact there's possibly moisture under there as well, pull your gun to their bits, give it a clean. Yes, some rifles then need you to revalidate your zero, but as I said right at the front, we need to be revalidating our zeros before we go out hunting anyway just to make sure ethically that we've the, the, the rig is shooting like it should be, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: a, lot of pe- a lot of people can't because a lot of people aren't. You know, I know access to a range I know, of that, so. but yeah. you know it is all it is all nice but yeah um the greens appeared on that
0: that's good so uh, yeah I mean so so checking that the, the bedding on your gun is actually okay uh I've also pulled some guns to bits and the bidding bedding the factory bedding can look kind of shoddy uh it might what, what is that
1: what the bidding start at? What a bidding, bidding stat at? <laughs> oh,
0: <Jesus>. um <sighs> We'll put Google Translate on for North South oh, yeah. Island. It must be a <laughs> translation for it, eh? Um, yeah. The bidding. I'm not even drinking at the moment. This is the other oh, amazing no. thing.
1: This is yeah, I was over about voice. To get
0: yeah. Uh, um, bedding is, um, you know, it might look like crap, but it actually shoots well. And I've seen other ones where, look like crap and are actually crap because it was not a very good job on that day so at what point do you sort of go all oh, right we need to re this to try and get it out is it normally shooting okay and you're just trying to get more out of it because i would think if you look at it and you go oh i need to re this gun especially for a new gun you're probably more tempted to go back to the store with it first aren't you
1: I guess it comes down, there's a little bit of experience in it. So, you know, I mean, I've, I've had a few sarco's and tigers and, and ramtons and all sorts of bloody stuff. And sometimes, you know, they're kind of, they're not bad, but you just kind of look and you go, mm, I reckon, I, I know it from could, experience, that if I could bed be it, better yep. it, I generally shoot pretty freaking good. And, yep. um, you know, some might need a little bit of light relieving um, and some just need a little bit of bedding. Um, betting usually doesn't make your gun not shoot. I haven't had that happen before, yeah, but um, other people may have, but yeah, um, wow. there's also another one, there's also another one when it comes to talking action screws. Um, Nick's talked a little bit about Um, I, I haven't noticed it, but he, I don't shoot these guns, so I don't know. Is um, Stiles and Rugers. Um, Apparently, with this cross bolts and and action screws, Nick tells me that they can tune the accuracy, I think it's on Ruger's and Stiles, with front and rear screws. Like, some of them require quite a lot (laughs) of torque up up the front, and you can actually tune the accuracy with it. I don't know how, but anyway, that's not I
0: claim. I I, mean, I... I don't know about centerfires. I have heard of yes, it, it's a factor. I certainly know for the 1022s Ruger 1022, but that's see, that's a single screw. It's not two screws the way it oh, yeah. works, and yeah. it's often it's got pressure points on the front, depending on the setup. Anyway, but yes, mm-hmm. guys have I've seen an article where the guy was just slowly talking it up um, over time and just it was tuning tuning basically his groups. It, it brought his groups down yeah. and opened them up. In theory, it would work again with anything that you're tightening up or loosening up, you know, I would just, I guess it's going to be, depends just how much difference it makes. Like, I don't think it's a difference necessarily between a gun that's just shooting eight MOA down to one MOA, but I think it's definitely a way to tune a gun that's shooting okay already and get even more out of it. Um, You know, once you know that your action screws are actually, you know, relatively tight, then the actual final torque is, um, is more tuning rather than a fix um, yep. well um,
1: you know I mean just, just to straight I mean, we've seen, I've seen teakers with oil you know brand teakers with oil in the bedding that would shoot in 8 inch groups at 100 meters took them apart, cleaned them up put them back together, took the screws up properly that would shoot then half an inch mm. that's a big difference that is a big difference, and a lot of them would take it. We've seen it back to the shop, and the shop yeah. most of the shop guys are going, well, I Don't know." Yeah.
0: Um, one one common, thing as well, they don't know what they're selling. One thing I'll I'll say as well: I've uh, bore scopes can uh, drive you batty. I've seen a, a guy who bore scoped a brand new rifle, and decided that it was faulty, but it shot well under the guarantee. And it was an interesting conversation because there was a mark, there's basically a mark right through the inside of the barrel, which I then found was not only in his barrel, it was probably of all barrels around the same vintage as well. Um, so there was probably a, a machining. i never got a clear answer what it was, but the gun shot okay. But he decided to look at the, and he ball sighted and was like, no, 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 that, that's got to be, it can't be right. And it's like, well, it shoots. So what exactly would you like the gun to do beyond shooting <laughs> within spec?
1: Yeah.
0: So, just again, be careful with some of these things that you can kind of talk yourself into issues that aren't there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's always a thing. It's always a good idea when you, especially when you're doing these things. If you can't, if it just doesn't seem to be shooting, uh, be humble. Get somebody else to shoot it. Just confirm. It just removes you out of the the out of the uh, equation as well. Because someday yep. we all have our off days, you know. Um, um,
1: oh, one, one other thing with the um, suppressor we didn't go over Was um um baffle strike
0: Yes, so actually I've seen
1: some cans which actually yep. will never the Guys just Something's happening the can It's a baffle strike And they just will not shoot again With it on They just You just cannot get them to shoot accurately I've seen that So um,
0: so it's had a baffle strike at some point and that's basically had a baffle just, strike.
1: sometimes you can hardly even see it. Like yeah, I've
0: seen that it just they just
1: will not work. You take them off and it shoots perfectly fine, put it back on, it just will not shoot. Um well actually, I've seen actually, that a handful of times.
0: Yeah, and and also something as well that we didn't really mention is that again, if you're at the range and it's all not shooting very well, take your suppressor off, put a couple of rounds through yeah. if you can without the can on it, just to rule it out. And it may yeah. be often, if it might, like you said, the baffle strikes might be so light you have real, real trouble seeing them. I've had it where it took sort of a couple of us to look at it. And in the end of the day, though, if we put the can on, it, it didn't shoot well. We took it off. It shot fine. So we're like, well, yeah. even if we can't really see it, we know what it is now. It's a suppressor, whether it's a baffle strike or threat, something. Something is not, not happy with it. Um, I have managed Just- to... That's right. I have managed to um, just shoot through a completely wrong caliber suppressor. That was a good one, you know, the um, yeah. seven mil through a 2.2 can didn't uh, work particularly well. Funnily did. enough,
1: did they have a better hole size after
0: Yeah, well, yeah, bought it out pretty well. Um, but that was just um, two two suppressors, the same model suppressor, same look. The client had given it to me, given me the wrong can.
1: Some of these not write pretty freaking size on them either.
0: No, they, this is it. I, I looked, I was like, you know, I mean, to be fair, I check ammo going into the back of guns. I had, Up to that point, I hadn't always, you know, actually double second-guessed the clients. But then um, he said, yeah, i got two cans. And funnily enough, he said, I I had, a, I had this inkling one day that might happen. Uh, so I guess, yeah. lads, if you've got that inkling, go get a pen or something and write on it because you're probably right again. You know, you are right. But
1: uh, Hardy's are pretty good. They have the... Caliber size and the body, um, and the, the thread, yeah, on these. Check There's your thread, quite a few don't,
0: yeah. Check your thread on the suppressor as well. I've had guns that seem to be okay, they screw on, they feel like they're tight on, um, but they're actually not the right threads. There's a few that are close enough, but not quite right. Um, yeah, that's that's happened to me,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, I guess okay, yeah, AC, DPT, and a bunch of those, they were pretty good. A few cans that don't have anything written on them. I know some of cool. the old gum guys were saying, they say, Oh, what, what's, what's, the, um, what's the thread? And they go, I have no idea, there's nothing written on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, we had the other one which I wrote the article about was with the bagaras because we looked online, found the thread for the barrel, got the appropriate thread. And uh, as it turned out, the Bagara we had was a different thread because the American and the European guns, um, and depending what website you ended on, you got a different answer. So that one also uh, tripped us up as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we've covered most of it. We have. Yeah. sure sure, look there's also plenty of actual technical issues that that get into the gunsmith or the more technical but the the point was for this one is just stuff that we can do and check and look have a little faith if the gun's not shooting right stop have a look through be methodical like sam said at the top start from the front work your way backwards and it doesn't hurt to do that before you even shoot the gun like if i've got new guns from clients or myself or whatever it is, I will go through and, depending on time availability, everything is pull the things to bits, put them back together, because that oil underneath the lugs and underneath the action is a good one. Um, and just do that. And it's a good time to familiarize yourself with your firearm, with your tool as well.
1: Yep. Yeah, we, I mean, we on uh, our courses, we make the guys do that. We, we, they pull them apart.
0: Yeah. You know, take them all out. <laughs> It's a, good, it's a good confidence builder as well to be comfortable and,
1: you know, put your gun apart. It's only a few screws. It's not rocket science. And then how to put them back together properly, you know, stand them up, make sure the recoil lug's sitting up against the, you know, up against it.
0: Cool. I don't know. We got anything else? I think we covered it, man.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, being I've got to get up early tomorrow morning, we won't go on too much. Um, For people listening in, uh, I am contemplating because just of time and life and everything and also realizing that the lads quite often don't reload for their weekend shoots until Thursday, Friday night, that we may shift this over to a Tuesday. So if you've got any thoughts on that, let us know. Uh, The podcast is a separate thing. You can listen to that whenever, but the live recording we might look at it earlier in the week, um, just to give me, for a, life reasons, some breathing on space. On a shoot weekend. <laughs> What's that, mate? On a shoot weekend. Yeah, on a shoot weekend. But we do it regularly, so I, it's going to confuse me if I shift it. Nan, every weekend's a shoot weekend, nearly. So. Yeah,
1: you know, I did loading last night, and then I doing the rest of it. We're 150 rounds this weekend, so. <laughs> I was supposed to have done it last week, and then I only shot the gun. I'm shooting a shooting a three hundred eight this weekend. Oh, nice! I had for a while, not with this barrel on it, anyway. Um, mm. So it's actually uh, shooting quite quick. Shooting a one fifty five, and it's doing like, like crony was three three thousand ten feet. Um, Jesus! And uh, I trued it at twenty nine fifty. 60 and I didn't have any issue. No stamping, primers were fine. I do not know why. Um, yeah, seems sure I know. So, you
0: found the magic fairy dust load for a 308, that's
1: quick. Yeah, it is quick. Actually, at 700 meters, it's only 0.3 mil in a 10 mile an hour crosswind, less dope than a um, more dope than a than a creed
0: one. <laughs> why? I Early days of my 308, I got it shooting 3K, but I soon had loose primer pockets and I didn't know any better. I was it was hot, yeah. hot that one. I didn't my brass didn't last long, but
1: load I always use for everything, but the only thing I'd done different, I used to run it in a 16-inch barrel, now it's in a twenty, but um I seated the bullets a little bit deeper because yeah. I was getting the bullet when I put the mag and was catching the um the feed ramp. Yep. Yeah. Um, so all I did was did that, and yeah, you know, I don't know, run it, and it, it seemed
0: fine. So, so, so I don't know if, yeah, it was. But anyway, all good. All right, so uh, all right. lads are tuned in. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, whether you're listening live or on the podcast, as always, uh, do get in touch, say hello, um, subjects, thoughts, ideas, and uh, again, do us a favour share like tell your mates about it because it's kind of how people learn about this sort of stuff and uh yeah we're trying to put out resources for people that are useful and um it's only any good if people actually get to hear this stuff so sam thank you very much all catch right. up when you catch up and um yeah have a good shoot the weekend
1: The shoot next weekend yeah I mean, Brian must be those guys must be on the way down are they
0: no, I think they're all having last panic reloads and they're heading down shortly. I know Ian's on his way down, but then he drives all over the country. So It
1: was crossing over tonight. He was due here in the morning, I think. Yeah, He's calling in here, I think. And then is um, due here. Like He's leaving at 6 o'clock in the morning from Queenstown to come here for the day and come shooting before we go. So. Nice.
0: Mm. All right, lads. Have a good Chris one and right. catch up with you soon. thanks for listening to the show please if you enjoyed it make sure you're subscribed either by your podcast app of choice or by heading on to precisionshooter.co.nz and subscribing even better if you want you can support us directly by joining up which also gets you access to all the articles and members only content not only on precision shooter but also the bloke.co.nz thanks again for listening in and uh, until next time have a good one